of Quintessentially Queer. Yes. Uh, once again, I am your host, George Rallis. If you haven't been around all this time and you don't know who the fuck you're talking to, let me introduce you to our lovely guest today. Fucking Horgan. She's in the house. She's Thank you house. for the most fabulous introduction. Darling, of course. Only the best for you. <laughs> How are you? Welcome to the studio. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here, of oh, course. Darling, of course, honey. But speaking of privilege, right? Let's call a fish a fish. We have a biological woman in the studio today. And we also have a psychological woman in the studio today. Obviously, I'm joking right now. But what we're talking about today is female body politics, bitch, which we all should talk about. Uh, the first song that we started the podcast with uh, was Modern Girlhood by Krista Papista, who is a Cypriot artist who is thriving right now. She's a queen, follow her everywhere. And she's super political anyway. But if we're talking about the Cypriot reality, right, let's take a specific case. So on July 2019, right, the Cypriot reality, while also the media in Cyprus, were completely taken over by an incident which shocked the common rationale. A young British woman in the tourist city of Ayanapa reported that she was raped by 12 Israeli men, one of whom she was dating, apparently. 
Two weeks after the incident and after the arrest of the 12 men, the woman was asked to return to the police station where she was requested for eight hours without a lawyer or a translator present. In addition to the session not being recorded, she was urged to retract her statement of sexual assault and was thus immediately charged with public mischief by the police for giving a false statement. Meanwhile, the Israeli men accused of raping her were released and allowed to travel home where they were greeted as actual fucking martyrs, what the fuck? At the airport, they were seen popping champagne bottles and chanting the British a whore. Despite the 35 bruises found all over her body and the statement of the psychologist that the victim was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, the Cypriot court found the woman guilty of public mischief, handing her a suspended four-month sentence. When we think about rape, its brutal nature, its perpetrators and its victims, what is at function is not our cognitive capabilities of logic, nor is it our common sense as is shown in the Cypriot case and in so many others. What is instead at function is a reflection and an application of a society's norms and values. Sexual violence can even be seen as universal, but the crime of rape is primarily social. It is the law that declares it wrongful. Thus, if indeed the law allegedly wants to reduce rape, it must address rape's social constructions, its appropriation, and its cultural gravity, aka the bigger fucking picture. Why are women's bodies left to the mercy of anyone but them? Beyond public involvement and sensitivity, another matter which female body politics unveils and questions beyond the discourse of rape and its legitimization would be that of abortion. The culmination of both lies in the fact that female behavior and its social expectations surrounding victimhood are two tropes that are actually left to the devices of men, usually, to activate whenever they please in order to fit their own agenda. It is a common social agreement that, for example, sex is about pleasure and intimacy, while rape, in contrast, is about violation and dominance. In the same respect, then, if we're talking about this dualism, right, why is being pregnant, then, seen as the gift of all life, while, on the other hand, abortion as the murder of all nature? Why is it that a woman cannot decide whether she can accept such a gift or not? What sets the two apart thus is not their ontological definition, let's say, as a sociosexual intercourse of body politics, but I guess the ultimate motive of how they are both treated and related socially. In simpler terms, what constitutes rape as such is its motive being the violation of a body without consent, with the ultimate goal being to overpower or remove power from that said body. You make the analogy, by the way, huh? In this way, then, why is this grandiose gift of life creation a gift that needs to be accepted whenever it's given? Even in some cases, actually, if the gift was gifted by a fucking rapist. Rapists do not understand rape as a means of intercourse, nor even as an impulsive sexual need. They understand rape as a conscious way of establishing their superiority and using it as a combative tool against women. A narrative that is actually perpetuated by society on the daily over a woman's bodies, whether that is through, like, overpriced tampons or through actual fucking rape or, like, ban of abortion. A narrative that is perpetuated by society on the daily, repeatedly. It's a form of body colonialism. What complicates the social response to the female body, though, is that we're urged to believe 
according to evolutionary literature and all this like bullshit basically, that only psychopaths would want to harm a body unashamedly, whether it be through rape or murder or any other way. We would never suspect someone whom the victim has had some type of relationship with or someone who wears a suit or is sitting in a courtroom, you know what I mean? As the link between the two is seen as agreement in the public's indifferent eye. Oh, he's a good guy. He would never do that. Moving beyond theoretical ambiguity, though, what makes rape cases or the thought of abortion so traumatic to its victims is the inability of the other to simply remove themselves from themselves and let the other person unconceal their fucking trauma. The refusal to understand occurs only because the victim's trauma and story may be different to their own definition of rape or of procreation which they have pre-acquired and socially understood so far. According to Baker, Catherine Baker I think is her name, she says that it's commonly understood that it's a woman's responsibility not to be overtly sexual. In her article, Baker claims, The first idea, not only psychopaths rape, explains why juries do not convict men who look like such nice guys. It explains why juries resist convicting clean-cut college students that play football and married gentlemen, particularly if this man's use of force did not involve the use of knives and guns or any other kind of battery. The second idea, that women are responsible for their own rape, explains why so many people excuse rapists by saying she asked for it. Both these ideas, that rapists are crazy and that women provoke rape, are widespread and firmly held, unfortunately. Again then, whatever happens is that the woman's fault and own supposed volition. However, if a woman actually wants to go not go through with an unwanted pregnancy because now she actually wants to act out on her volition and her responsibility for her own body, she's deemed crazy, a murderer, or unethical. For example, abortion in Cyprus was fully legalized in March 2018. It can be performed on request up until the 12th week of pregnancy and until the 19th week in rape cases. It was previously performed only if there was a risk of physical or mental harm to the mother, a risk of fetal deformity, or if the patient was raped or otherwise sexually assaulted. However, as we have seen through the example, which I have basically, you know what I mean, uh, used before, only if there's a risk of all these things happening is not even believed by the fucking court, right? A risk? A risk of what, bitch, not fucking believing me? You know? Uh, but however, there was also a risk of, like, mental harm, which they don't believe the woman when she fucking says so. What the fuck? Even defining rape or mental harm has been performed, again, in a way that is left to the hands of anyone but the fucking victim. Cyprus has an Italist policy and thus will not provide routine abortion procedures in state hospitals, so they're typically performed in private clinics, with hospitals only providing the procedure if the mother is at great risk. As abortions are paid out of the woman's pocket who will be undergoing the procedure, private practitioners can and have performed abortions before, outside the legal framework, which is in itself actually bringing a whole other set of questions about class, economic well-being, accessibility to resources, and just simply fucking safety. Again, just to wrap it up and make it even simpler, why the actual fuck would anyone decide what power women have over their own fucking bodies? So, we started off with a very nice political and soft song, but now let's actually get into it, bitch, and let's call it Fish a Fish. So let's go to Bossy by Kelly's. <laughs> hey yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. You don't have to love me. 
You don't even have to like me. But you will respect me. You know why? Cause I'm a boss. Bitches bossy. Yes, that is my anthem in Tinder and in real life. Yes, bitch. Hello, love. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm delighted to be in Amsterdam. How could you be sad with this beautiful architecture that surrounds us? I just want to skip through it like a little field of meadows of flowers. <laughs> okay, babe, but you're from Ireland, right? Like, I know what the sun looks like. <laughs> so being here, it's like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, such a nice, beautiful day. I'm going to be productive today, yes, woman. I open the curtains like death gray just gray <laughs> yeah. just gray girl but um welcome to the studio yet once again it's lovely to have you here my sister from another mister and my brother from another mother this is she my venus from another penis <laughs> i've been fangirling the podcast so the fact that i'm here is like <laughs> when they bring on fans in rupaul's drag race <laughs> for the makeover <laughs> and like who better talk fucking female body politics with the new honey so me and lorena how we met like, we need to share this story it's like it's quite funny i love it so basically right um i went on erasmus to ireland at ul in limerick stab city oh. <laughs> is it not what you guys call it oh well not us i mean we're trying to get away from the negative tarnishing <laughs> of the image uh, it's what is known it's negatively okay. known as actually it was i felt super safe by the way to be honest huh I, it was kind of weird when I saw that kind of like there's like a suicide watch to it, be honest yeah but they do amazing work like, oh, I mean, like yes. they, in, instead of just like showing the depressing statistics at the end of every year of how many more suicides we've had and how many deaths were in the reader, river we've almost like reclaimed it and we um, even Limerick Mental Health Association each year do an event that lights up the river that mm -hmm. acknowledges like taking this something that's negative and making it a positive and actually yeah. going and helping people 
Yeah, fuck yeah. No, no, no. It was great. But I mean, like, there's a very big kind of like juxtaposition between like what it actually is and the ideas behind it, huh? mm-hmm. which we'll get into later because we will talk about Catholicism to, what, mm-hmm. to an extent. But so I did my Erasmus there and obviously I was fucking lost uh, in the university. So I go to the, what was it? For uh, seven weeks old. Yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I see this bitch there. I was like, oh my God, hey. So like, and I wasn't like, yes, bitch work. I was just like, hey, so I have this class. Like, where do I go? And then she took me to the class actually because we ended up being in the same class in the end. She thought I was hot as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just putting it out there. That's, that's a shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, and my gay dad was uh, on the floor back then. <laughs> <laughs> and then I arrived. I was like, honey, let's pick it up. Anyway, so we did this poetry class together. Well, we didn't do it because I got kicked out after <laughs> it, which was like, girl. And then we've been best friends ever since, basically. So... It was nice being the only gay in the village, basically. Because I loved the fact that I was the only gay in the village. But then I found these two bitches that were as crazy as me and actually gave no facts for self-presentation, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, shit. Okay, no, you tell this story better. You should tell the story about... Um, the icon? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it was standard practice for us, like on a Wednesday night, I think it was student night in the club. So you get all pretty and you go to the club and they have three Jaeger bombs for 10 euros. So <laughs> depending on the night, we might be getting three each, but we were, it was a school night, so we were being certainly uh, a certain level of, of behaved. So we bump out to George in the smoking area. Emer, my friend, had done her Erasmus in Cyprus. Shout out to Emer, yeah. some bitch. Yes, <laughs> so I had some Greek and I started screaming some Greek words at George. I was like, come on, let's do some Jaeger bombs. And then bitch, from the second you said we were doing Jaeger bombs, I knew we were going to be friends for life. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I'm not even joking. Like every time I would go out and I would like get Jaeger bombs and get like two and two look and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, hey, I can't help it. You know, I can't help it that I'm popular. But um, the reason I'm saying all this is because like I, in my experience at least, huh, I felt that Ireland like in real lifetime, how I experienced it was super chill super real and very laid back. However, socially is very fucked up and very constipated, even though the people are not, you know what I mean? Mm. And that's why I'm talking about giving no facts for self-presentation because I feel that like people are actually conscious of the fact that they have power over their bodies to an extent or not. Mm. However, society in itself and the constitution of whatever government you have and Catholicism, obviously, Mm. which is like an institutionalized religion, like tries to have power over the bodies. But then it's like, you have all these like trivializations around, for example, abortion. Mm -hmm. But then like, like you have like, you're very casual about sex. You know what Mm. I mean? And just getting drunk, for example. You know what I mean? And so tell me a little bit about your experience in Ireland in general, like how, how, I don't know. These, first of all, I don't mean to project because obviously I'm not Irish. So you can definitely talk better about yeah, yeah, no, I, de- I definitely agree with that point. Um, like, I remember when I moved to Amsterdam five years ago for my Erasmus, the first thing I noticed... Yeah. The first thing I noticed was that, um, like, around Ireland, as you said, like, there's a lot of uh, maybe focus on girls having the latest trends in terms of fashion and mm-hmm. having their hair pristine and their makeup absolutely perfect, even if you're just walking to the store for a chicken roll, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
like however um, and it, it was just like almost like a feeling of being looked at so what I was 20 when I moved here for my Erasmus and mm-hmm. in Ireland walking around the street you just feel like people actually even make eye contact with you yeah. so it's like you're just being analysed and assessed whereas here I felt like do I need to walk around naked on my hands for someone to look at me it's oh, just right. like a feeling of like a tolerance and acceptance here that we've like we've touched on before yeah. but I suppose it's just the fact that like you just don't feel judged as much here yeah. um, so I suppose yeah the fact that um, there's so much pressure on on those kinds of bo- mm-hmm. bodily traits but then and, and yeah you can take power over your, your body by choosing to wear that fake tan or wear that makeup or yeah. style your hair that way but then also by flipping it on its head it's powerful by not doing it and exactly. rejecting against it yeah 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 literally though. oh my god I remember once I went to this club and I mean people that know me they know that my two favorite words is literally bitch and fuck <laughs> you know so I was at this club uh, I was quite drunk and there was this bitch that walks in literally in a full head to toe leopard outfit <laughs> and I mean this with all seriousness like the how do you call it the hair clip hair clip is yeah. that what you call it yeah, yeah like hair clip fucking dress <laughs> bag shoes all of it yes. she walks in and was like oh my god yes bitch and she's like to me don't fucking call me a bitch and then she went off I was like no 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 I made a neck oh fuck you and then next started like shouting at me and pushing me away and then the security guard kicked me out because she thought I was actually trying to harass her and I was like I'm on your team base but I was like okay bitch work yeah, lost in translation get it though get it get it get it get it get it but you were a social media manager right and yep. student representative at some point? Yeah, so my most recent role was um, business development and marketing manager mm-hmm. for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose throughout my degree, my bachelor's was in new media and English, but I did lots of different volunteering roles, mm-hmm. um, mainly in student support. Work. So then, if I if it's safe to assume, self-presentation and in general, like the politics of representation, actually were a vital part of your work mm-hmm. and how you presented your body of work or actually others as well, like the universities, no, no, no. So... Would you say you were treated, I don't know, with more, I don't know, difficulty of acceptance as a woman within the university structure or the contrary? Like, I know that you also, well, no, let's get into that later. Let's get into that later. But tell Mm -hmm. me first this. Yeah. So um, a positive answer, definitely to start off with, um, the University of Limerick actually um, gets this award or at least competes for it each year called the Athena Swan Award, which is something that you can apply for, um, but you only will receive recognition of it if you have a certain amount amount of a gender balance quota mm-hmm. so I have to commend University of Limerick for that actually is that they really something about um, having an equal balance of gender in higher up all the ways down the spectrum in roles um, is, is really important to UL so I have to say that in general between my voluntary or paid positions I initially never experienced anything ho- hostile towards me being a woman so go UL <laughs> work UL <laughs> yes um, yeah, but however, um, when I was running for the role of student union president. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's, that was my <laughs> next question, bitch. Uh-huh. Yes. You already know it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, there, w- I was the only female candidate running to begin mm-hmm. with. So um, during the week of campaigns, we had a hustings debate. So every candidate is lined up. It's open to the floor for questions. And it's you answer it in a sequence of first candidate one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. then candidate two, three, four, and so, and so on and so forth. So at the time, this was three years ago. So this was a year before the abortion referendum in Ireland. So obviously there was a lot of conversations happening, a lot of scandals being spoken about. Um, so as soon as it's, um, 
someone from the audience asked the question of should you be elected president would you have the union take a stance on supporting or not supporting the uh, referendum on abortion so the whole audience is like ooh, ooh. it's like a wrap up by the way like that's also like such a not a stupid question obviously but it's kind of like like the fact that that question is even asked mm-hmm. is like boggles me like of course you would anyway sorry go on yeah absolutely so um I stood up and it, as it just so happened, I ha- I was the first candidate to have to answer that question first, yeah. which was perfect. So I stood up and uh, instead of like cowering to the, sh- the all the controversy, who were like, oh, they went there. Yeah. I was like, I'm absolutely delighted that question was asked <laughs> and delighted that I get to be the first one to answer that question, seeing as I'm the only candidate running who actually has a womb. Ah! And then again, yes, yes that. bitch, <laughs> yes, yes, you get that. Yeah. So essentially I say, look, it's the biggest national movement at the moment we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot if we didn't take a stance on it mm-hmm. obviously I myself myself am pro-choice um, however I would have the a, a referendum almost within the UL Students Union see if the students want to take a stance on it or maybe they want to choose to take a neutral stance on it like but whatever it is it has to be representative of the student body and not just let the dictator president decide on it you know yeah. so that was my answer and long story short each of my fellow male candidates stood up and said no I, I wouldn't I mean, like maybe if a lot of students came to me wanting to have a, a like have a vote on it, maybe. But no, I don't think it's very relevant in the third level academic sector. Uh, what? Like, it, it, so essentially, but I mean, again, this is politics. So it was a politician's answer. None of them just stood up and said, no, I wouldn't. But none of them stood up and said, yes, I would. Like I did, you know. So it was like a witch hunt was almost carried out against me after this. So um, I was already topping the polls on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. the campus newspaper Savour to Win and then after the controversial hustings debate I made a post on my Facebook account for mm-hmm. Lorna for President saying none of my fe- m- mellow, uh, none of my fellow male counterparts feel it an important enough issue <laughs> to, to raise should they be elected president if the you speech. want representation as your president <laughs> vote for me so that post blew up it went viral on all platforms Honey. and then out of spite all of the other candidates got jealous reported me to the election regulations board. Oh. Yep. And then on the second last day of campaigns, the election re- regulations board were deciding on whether or not I would be disqualified or not, de- deeming my what? post on social media as defamatory of character. But they weren't sure if it was defamatory or not. So, not. so yeah. they spent nine hours debating over whether or not my post was defamatory or not. Meanwhile, all of my fellow male counterparts are breaking all sorts of rules, but they, they were busy in a nine hour meeting, so that didn't matter. So my campaign or left, Lol. is Lorna disqualified or not? The other candidates are like, Lorna is disqualified, so don't vote for her. Your vote will be wasted. So yeah, I, came, I so ultimately I came a very close second. Now I'm grateful that I didn't. I mean, I ended up being much more successful without that role, but it was just a power Honey. project. <laughs> it, it was a passion project for me at the time. Like, you of know, course. it was a job I would have done for free. Um, but I'm, I'm gli- delighted that I got to see their true colours, like to see that the witch hunt they carried out against me. The fact that like they spent nine hours talking whether you should get disqualified or not, but spent like one minute not even thinking about abortion yeah. is just shows like how fucking society is structured. Like that's literally really fucked up yeah but honey since you do have an attitude (laughs) and i do too let's go into attitude by luckily 47 
Brushed my hair, went downstairs Favorite jeans on my rear And I looked up in my mirror And I said, who's that there? Who's that there? In that mirror I don't care and they're aware Now I see just why they stare I just pay them, I don't care I know So what, I got an attitude Bitch, I got an attitude So what, I got an attitude Bitch, I got a I don't sleep, I don't snore Too much money out that door On my way to go to work Bills too pay, so hit that dirt Change up plans Then Juvenile came on You know that's my favorite song I was 15 minutes late Because I try to be great Dancing on my feet Your opinion not today They said what's it gonna take I said I want a bigger plate So that lady pour my drink Then I went up on my right I could see the bitch was fake So like Chapo I escaped And I told that hoe no Like my ex you got to go I want all my money up front If you don't guess what I'm I'm gonna have an attitude Bitch I got an attitude I'm gonna have an attitude Bitch, I got an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. Attitude, 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 attitude. When they ask me where I've been, busy. When they ask me where I live. The city. The, city, the city, I don't own a welcome mat. Give me the proper feet and stand back. I don't own a welcome mat. Give me the proper feet and stand back. Attitude, 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 attitude. So that was attitude by Lickily forty seven. So, uh, what? Okay, what you said before really is still like stuck with me, which is kind of like. Your uh, rivals, anyway, whatever in the presidency said that this is not an issue for like um, third grade academia. And I'm like, bitch, have you ev never been to college court <laughs> or like any house party ever? People fuck like bunnies after like the fourth beer. Like if this is not an issue for like third level academia, then what the fuck is? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Having more like PDFs online. The fuck, bruh? <laughs> You know, yeah. um, and, and to interject there, actually, to, um, the successful candidate in the presidential election, mm -hmm. the, the first point on his manifesto was to have pictures of beer in the in the stables oh. in the Barron campus. Okay. So say no more. Lol, <laughs> lol, girl. Okay, um, but like, okay, this is a very grave story actually, but it also like really, it, it's a very nice parallel with uh, what I said about Cyprus. Like mm -hmm. you sent me this article that was in uh, the Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about this girl who was basically like raped by mm -hmm. a bunch of like uh, rugby players. What what is it called again? Rugby. No, no, I know the rugby oh. babe. I mean, like the name of it of the rugby, the like team. Was it? There was a specific team. Well, it's the Irish team. Yeah, well, the Irish rugby team. Okay, whatever. Oh, the national one. Yeah. Oh damn, bitch. Okay, now I get it. Now it makes sense why okay. it was so bad. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, where she basically like. She got raped while she was at this house party with these guys, right? Um, and then, like, she actually didn't even really want to go to the police because she knew it herself. Like, what's one girl going to do against, like, the rugby team of Ireland? Like, what mm -hmm. the fuck? And then, like, the guy, actually, they went to a match in South Africa, mm -hmm. which he was, like, super successful in it, I guess. I don't fucking know. I know how to play with balls, but not in a field, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, like, he came back to Ireland and was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, a martyr now. He's, like, not a martyr. He's, like, a hero now, all this shit. 
And then basically, the girl got like a um, like a clap back for basically defaming him and kind of like fucking up his career. And it's like, oh, she's really bad for the lads. What the shit, man? Mm-hmm. And then you're telling me this is not like Fedra. Fed- <sighs> Sorry, I'm just getting like really anxious about this fucking shit. So basically, yeah, that's what's going on in Ireland. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure you can talk about it like a lot better than I do. For sure, yeah. Um, just something that came into my head at the start of this podcast was um, a poet I studied in my undergrad. So it's a poet called Nula Nigonal. So it's a name Osquilga or in Irish, and she speaks about the issues of Ireland as a country or era, which is what Ireland is in Irish, is constantly referred to as a woman, and it and and it's problematic because Ireland as a country has been a victim more often than not so we've we've suffered the great famine we've yeah we've suffered the great famine we've suffered um, being colonized by the The british you know so it's 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 again putting the like ireland as a country into the female body because they're both victims yeah yeah um but i suppose outside of that um maybe something that i was personally really involved in was um canvassing for the together for yes campaign which was the pro-abortion campaign so we had the referendum on that only two years ago which is absolutely shameful so um i suppose if i could read an excerpt from an article that explains it it was almost like um, please go ahead yeah almost like irish history for for dummies so um to, to give a very uh, quick backstory so we would have experienced the great famine in around 1847 so that's mm-hmm. when many people died a lot of people immigrated um moving on then to about the 1920s and 30s when we actually had the irish free state i'm going to jump in here and ju- just give like a, a very quick summary yeah of course please So with the cooperation and and encouragement of church officials, the independent Irish state in the 1920s and 1930s outlawed divorce, prevented married women from working in some professions and prohibited the sale and advertising of contraceptives. It also published numerous reports, including the report on the Committee of Evil Literature that cast women's unregulated sexuality as a central problem faced by the state. Lol. Yep. Access to contraception and sterilisation, meanwhile, was heavily impossible. The lack of choice and autonomy that Irish women, even married middle class women, faced in terms of reproductive reproduction was endemic. True to the 1990s in some places, Magdalen laundries, mother and baby homes, schools, prisons, lunatic asylums and reformatories isolated the bodies of sexually deviant women, keeping the rest of Ireland's women and thus nation pure. So here, I suppose, uh, to contextualise, is that when we got our independence, we were still extremely poor. The church came in, the Catholic church came in to help us financially, but in turn received huge amount of power in society and even in in, um, legislation, which is hugely problematic. So problematic. You're Mm -hmm. giving so much power to basically a bunch of white men. Exactly. What the fuck? Man, this world is going to fucking flames. Like, really, it's going to just come down at some point. Yeah. Um, But actually, like, okay, this is like a stupid example about body politics and representation anyway. But like, what really struck me as like weird in Ireland is that like, every time that someone would come up to me and like want to make out, the question was like, oh, you want to shift? And I was like, in the beginning, I was like, shift what? <laughs> <laughs> and then when you explained that, oh, it's making out, I was like, on the one hand, I wish that guys in Cyprus would do the same and being like, hey, you want to make out? Mm-hmm. So you can be like, yes or no. Yeah, but then like the question that arises is like, if I would say no, then would you go around and say like, oh, this fucking ugly slut like doesn't want to make out with me? Or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Would you accept my no as an answer? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then actually giving this backstory, 
how would you, to what extent would you say that like Ireland, for example, would be a sexually consensual country? Uh, well, <laughs> if I can like speak in historical terms, um, something that I only actually read about in the last number of weeks, which really horrified me. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I suppose in terms of like reproductive rights, there's this procedure, what's called a symphysiotomy. Okay. So it was before the um, the C-section even existed. Um, so it's it's kind of more an, more of an invasive procedure than the cesarean section. Mm-hmm. And it would happen maybe if a female was running into uh, pr- uh, issues in the birth, maybe if the baby's head was too big and it wasn't possible for her to deliver the baby naturally. Mm-hmm. So in symphysiotomy cases, then religious and cultural norms rather than evidence or best medical practice affected physicians' decisions and as a result determines, determined women's reproductive experiences. So um, symphysiotomies were like not outlawed, but um, were seen as almost dated even in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. However, over 100 years later, physicians are still using this method over cesarean sections with women what? because cesarean sections, if you have three of them, you're sterile. So that's seen as like... Oh, going against the Catholic Church and going against the idea of an Irish woman having 10 or 12 Irish Irish children to build up the pure nation. Um, so some women have received these symphysiotomies not only without their consent, but also without their knowledge, which actually had long-term effects in terms of incontinence and, and other issues like this. So the fact that it, it's something now only being spoken about only 10 years ago where some of these doctors actually facing repercussions for the procedures that they carried out in these women the without fuck? their knowledge. So Ireland, are like, I mean, of course, I'm going to be hopeful for them that we're definitely getting there. I know with my experience, both studying and working in third level education, that um, consent classes are becoming mandatory in a lot of universities now. So nice. we're definitely headed in the right direction. I mean, like we're we are a bit of a, con- a, a contradiction in, in some cases, you know, yeah. like we were first European country to vote in um, in the marriage referendum voting in favour of it yeah. H- however then on, on the flip side we're still treating women with this amount of disrespect and, yeah. and lack of bodily autonomy basically yeah yeah exactly oh my god honestly this like it's, it's, this, it's this intersectionality of like mm-hmm. body politics right mm-hmm. um, and like the reason like I kind of like I joke around about these matters it's not because I think that it's something funny Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But just because, like, I genuinely do feel that we should untrivialize mm-hmm. the way we treat uh, them. You know what I mean? Yep. And not as if, like, not treat them in a serious manner. But what I'm saying is that kind of, like, it's a different thing if I say, like, oh, woman, as, like, a masculine passing guy that uses, like, a lot of, like, of my own femininity as a level of empowerment mm-hmm. than it would be for a guy to jog around with his bro, like, oh, what are you, a girl? Yeah, of like, course. Like, what the fuck, bro? Like, mm-hmm. what's so, oh my God. So I was at this um, guy's house, friend, kind of, well, we're not friends anymore after that night, but basically I was at this guy's house getting drunk, la, la, we're having a cute time, and he was there with his, like, gay bros. Mm-hmm. And he's like, baby, excuse me. But if you're like a cis man and you just happen to be gay, does it make you any better than no straight motherfucker, you know? So then on mm-hmm. that note, we were there and they were just kind of like, you know, my name is George. So they were kind of like joking with one another, like, oh, Georgia. And was, uh, <sighs> that is funny to you. What's so funny about being a woman? Oh my I, God. I don't and, understand. And what time is your mommy coming to collect you from play school, dear e- sir? Exactly. <gasps> what the shit is wrong with you? You know what I mean? Or, oh, oh my God, those gays are kind of like basically look down on bottoms just because they bottom. And it's just kind of like, 
Bitch, what the fuck would a top do in a room on his own? <laughs> exactly. Grind the bed. Honey, <laughs> honey uh-uh, get with it. It's the fucking femmes, it's the women, it's the bottoms, mm-hmm. it's the fairies that fucking built this society and the trans women of color as well. What the fuck, man? Just get your priorities straight. Mm-hmm. So in the same respect, like, uh, oh, I, I really loved in Ireland after the whole like uh, rape case happened with the rugby players. You told me this, where they wore the thongs. Yeah, so because the victim was wearing a thong, which was held up in as evidence in court, the judge was somehow making it out that she was asking for it just because she was wearing a lingerie. So there was protests afterwards, uh, like throughout the trial, because the trial lasted over a month, and protests in every city in Ireland with uh, women wearing thongs over their clothes and holding up signs saying, yes, we believe her. Yes, bitch. So power That's to it. the people. That's it, power to the fucking people. Honestly, though, like, okay, would it really make a difference if I'm sitting here right now talking to you about like body politics in this manner, wearing a turtleneck? Fuck no, bitch. I'm right now. I'm wearing like leather pants that are like snake skin, a shirt that is backless that says like anti-fascist proportion, a silvery sheer like thing under it, and heels. And this bitch across me is wearing like a glitter top and a bitch pink purse. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Deal with it. Deal with it. That's it. Women have bodies. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. It's Mm -hmm. not up to you. It really is fucking not. But before we actually burn our bras in town town square, (laughs) let's go into Anse. How do you how do you say this? This song. Anse. Oh, so I'm gonna give a little bit of a backstory as well for it. So this is by an amazing Irish artist from Limerick. And her name is Denise Shayla Say It. Yeah, Denise (laughs) Shayla. So her debut track is called Unsho. So Unsho is an Irish word for here, like here I am. Here I am. So it's it's here. So she talks about a spice bag, which is a a, a very popular cuisine from a Chinese restaurant in Ireland. <laughs> and she talks about the Sintra, so it's just like our, our local Albertine. So enjoy. <laughs> Denise Shayla. 
spoken word rapist, rapper. Yeah, <laughs> rapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. Anshaw. Anshaw. Anshaw, bitch. Where, oh, she's amazing, actually. We have another song of hers later on. But um, talking about representation, right, in body politics, there's this biggest fucking double standard, right? How women are basically like, and actually in Ireland, it's even more animated, if you ask me, because you include the tanning and the lashes and the eyebrows, which when I first heard, and actually here in the Netherlands too, huh? when... Was it you, Imer? Uh, whatever, doesn't matter. But like when I heard for the first time, oh, I'm going to get my lashes done. I'm like, do what to them? I'm con- or like get my eyebrows like, I was like, what? A friend of mine here as well told me like, I'm kind of like that he does his lashes black. And I was like- Tints them. Yeah, I was like, what? That's a thing? Because yeah. um, I mean, I'm Cyprus, like we're all like dark skin. We got the sun, we're all hairy. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, however- the double standard still exists that basically, right, women are are supposed to, you know, feel like the skin of a peach, mm. smell like lavender, taste like mango. You know what I mean? Look like a model, an evangelista. Did you stone those tights yourself? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but then like guys are fucking walking around with salty ass sweaty ball sacks and a fucking tracksuit expecting... To basically be, you know, I don't want to say accepted because they they actually don't even ask if they're going to be accepted or not, Mm -hmm. but praised. And that's what's fucked up is that essentially you take for granted the power you have over everyone and their choice of how they will treat you primarily. Mm -hmm. And then in relation to that, how you fucking treat them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as this, like, Dutch tolerance. Like, bitch, who the fuck gave you the illusion or told you that you have any power over actually tolerating me or not? Let alone, like, actually me giving a fuck about your opinion whether you tolerate me or not. So in the same respect, what the fuck do you think that right now, motherfucker, I'm shaving my fucking legs for you? You know what I mean? Or that I'm wearing this short skirt for you? Or this thong for you? Exactly. What the fuck? You know, and we were talking about this yesterday, actually, as well. But like in Cyprus, it's quite normal for um, parents to pierce the baby girl's ears. And that is so like invasive. Mm -hmm. It's very invasive. Like, why the fuck does a two-year-old have to have piercings? I don't understand. You know, or or the other thing, like in media, where they say like, female scientist uh, has broken. Mm -hmm. Do you ever write male scientist? Something like that's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Um, but we were talking about this before uh, as well and, and about like uh, contraception in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like you, you get it over the counter there, right? Uh, no, you ha- it has to be prescribed by your doctor. Really? No, some, something like emergency contraception, like the morning after pill can be uh, gotten from your pharmacist, all right. But in, any other, and you can get condoms in pharmacies, of course, as yeah, well. Of course. Um, however, like any more like long-term forms of contraception has to be prescribed by your doctor. Damn, girl. Mm-hmm. Like in Cyprus, I don't think you, I mean, I, I obviously don't know, but I think you, should, you can just get like the morning after pill. But then like about contraception, you have like, you told me this other thing that you have, like the patch. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the same hormones as the pill actually, but it's just that it's transdermal rather than oral. Oh, okay. Fair mm-hmm. enough. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But the fact, you see, so the fact that women have to go through all of this, while men just have to put on a fucking condom and then they just don't yeah but plus like they can get the vasectomy which is reversible and they can just 
Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. You know, like that's reversible. So why not just like deactivate the the lotion that's going into the little USB port? <laughs> you know what I mean? Rather than rather than putting all this mad shit inside in the USB port or putting this like Literally virus though. software on your laptop, aka female body, like the the. The way that contraception affects your your hormones is absolutely bizarre. Like I've been on it myself for five years now, so I, mm-hmm. I I'm like I don't know the difference. But anyone I've spoken to who've taken a, who's taken a break or stopped it for whatever reasons, they just feel like a woman again. Like it's Lord, like you're yeah. you're not being suppressed anymore. What the fuck, man? That is so fucked up. But let's go into another boss's bitch song, which is "Dust Me" by Brooke Candy. And if y'all don't know it, you're welcome. Yo, what up, it's Brooke Candy, motherfucking freaky princess Brooke the rest out candy, it's the queen of Italy Not a candy, the price is right Double D, these are real titties Lady THC, Betty Blow The hood rat, Drew Barrymore I'm reppin' fag mob all day Motherfuckin' faggots taking over the industry Motherfuckin' faggots running the world uh. I'm a super bitch, I fuck it up, I do this shit You say that I'm a slut, it ain't your business Who I'm fucking with, I do could fuck three bitches And they say that he the man, but I get it in with twins She's a whore, that's what they it's time to take the word back, but is now a compliment A sexy ass female who running shit ain't confident Lady who on top of it, a female with a sex drive They really don't fuck with me, the greatest in the world lies Living on my pussy, all my ladies, let me hear ya I'm a CEO, dream girl, drug dealer Real just like my titties, you could even cop a feeler Finger licking good, treat my pussy like a mealer Talk about my tits, size, I need to see your dick size Show me what you're working with, I better win a big prize Next time they call you a slut is my name but there's nothing sweet about me bitch fuck yeah so uh, just to we're slowly reaching the end of our podcast unfortunately but please do tell us what you're doing lovely Lorna and um, we talked about this a little bit during the song but please share with the people sure so I'm studying a master's in marketing management at the moment and we're finishing that up so woohoo mm-hmm. um, outside of that I'm, I, I really am passionate about volunteer work so uh, since January I've been volunteering as social media officer for Network Ireland the Limerick branch so it's an organisation 
for women in business. So there's uh, everything from employees up to entrepreneurs, uh, solo business women. They could be in smaller, medium price enterprises and everything in between. Um, so I suppose let's address the elephant in the room, like the gender pay gap is a huge mm-hmm. problem. Um, and the statistics globally, not just in Ireland. Even oh. hiring, it's not even about the payment after it. So True. the opportunity, yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. E- exactly. Um, and... Yeah, the, so between the gender pay gap and just the, the lack of female representation in senior management. So yeah, you might see them in middle management and the more like lower level roles, but senior management, they are highly, highly underrepresented. So Network Ireland stands there to support um, w- women in business and they'll run different events each week that are run by women who already have their businesses. So it's giving them a spotlight and supporting each other. And unfortunately in business, a lot of things is who you know, not what you know, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of of getting that promotion or getting that initial leg in the door anywhere. So it's an amazing organisation. But I suppose um, when you read up on the stats, like it can be so almost like demotivating mm-hmm. to like exist as a woman and you're hearing all of these stats that's just so heartbreaking like mm-hmm. for example I think it's something like 80% of men when they read a job spec or a job specification if they meet perhaps one out of the 10 requirements they're going to go ahead and apply anyway whereas more often than not women if they only meet 9 out of 10 and they don't have that one they're like no 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 I won't go I won't go for it um, but like I mean that's not like oh, come on women just go for it I mean that is the result of how they're, they have been treated in business yeah. <laughs> you know yeah it's um just female work is just always deemed as less valuable mm-hmm. uh, I, we're talking about this yesterday actually uh, and it's it's also like It's, it's our language as well, huh? Even me that I consciously try to not say, hey guys, or you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or even the word motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? The fact that I even used that just mm-hmm. shows you how sexist language is in itself. You know what I mean? As if it's something derogatory, like, you know what I mean? Anyway, whatever. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is that like, uh, female labor is looked down upon because like, look at it at a very base level. A woman is supposed to clean every day, cook every day, take care of their children uh, and do all of these things that happen that need to basically happen every single day. And that's supposedly her skill. That's what makes a good woman a good woman. But on the other hand, a man makes a good man when he knows how to change a tire. You know what I mean? Fix the machine that's broken. That happens like what? Mm-hmm. Once every two years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, bitch, you get praised for doing work once every two years and I need to work my ass off every single fucking day. And then if I, if I like, I don't know, burn a shirt, you're like, oh, she's worthless. You know what I mean? But then parallel to that, she also needs to be a little devil in the bedroom, but an angel outside. Mm-hmm. She needs to be like, you know what I mean? A fucking slave in the kitchen, but then kind of like independent enough to not really ask for your help. So it's like, yeah. bitch, suck my fucking clit. Exactly. And yeah, language and just even media representation has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with that. I was just chatting to you about this yesterday evening as well, how like me growing up as I definitely identified as a tomboy, but but why? Like now as an adult and reflecting on the different representations of of women in daily life, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no wonder I chose, I actively chose to be a tomboy and not show signs of like, ooh, look at that cute baby over there. And ooh, can I help with the cooking? Like I'm 25 and I still can't cook a lunch. Like, (laughs) you know? Oh, I know. so, So, you know, like, by females being represented so negatively in all forms of media leads to women rejecting their own what's constituted as feminine qualities and then leaves you at 25 not being able to cook because you chose to be a tomboy when you were a child (laughs) you know 
Um, and um, a funny story to to finish up with, also, or leading towards the end uh-huh. uh, in female body politics. So it's actually one of my most embarrassing stories ever, but I've made peace with it, so I'm ready to share it with your listeners. George. Please, please. Yeah. So um, my grandmother would have like looked after my co- my older cousin and I when our parents were working. Uh-huh. So I was four, he was seven, and one day he was just like playing a board game, and I just came up to him and was like, "Connie, will you marry me?" And then he was like, "What?" No, <laughs> obviously. So then I like disappear upstairs and come back down completely naked. Like, will you marry me now? <laughs> so like at four years of age, like using that body for power. Like, That's it, bitch. Take it. Embrace it. It's yours. But lovely Lorna, we're slowly reaching the end of our podcast. And I want to finish off with one of my poems, which I feel wraps up our discussion quite well. But just to also give like a heads up, right? This um, podcast right now is was not really meant, neither as a dogma for how body, body politics should be, you know what I mean, constituted, neither as an answer to the question. This podcast was essentially an attempt to spark a fucking discussion. Talk about these things. When someone is being sexist with you or just super appropriate, ask them to explain what they mean. You know what I mean? When they say like, oh, but that's just woman, huh? Like, Oh, uh, what do you mean by that? How how how, how are women? Act dumb. Please make mm-hmm. them elaborate on their own opinion. Because guess what, bitch? Hatred is not an opinion. And you know what? You know why I use the word bitch all the time? Latrice Royale said it, baby. It's someone who is being in total control of herself. So yes, bitch. Call me bitch, bitch. Yes. That's it. But please do share the social media um, like handle, maybe Instagram or something of uh, Network Ireland. Sure. Um, so we are on all of the platforms. So the national one is just Network Ireland and Network Ireland Limerick is the regional branch that I'm involved with. So anyone in Ireland listening, um, membership is quite a, is very affordable. So do make sure to join up and join us for some online events. If you're not sure about membership, I'm allowed to invite people on as a guest to some online events. So definitely hit me up if you want to join Network Ireland. And what's your what's your socials? Social. So we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it's just Network Ireland Limerick. Okay, and yours is just Lorna Horgan. Exactly yeah. on, on Instagram. Yes. Cute, amazing, baby. Oh. Thank you so much for coming. You're so welcome. And the last little note for Denise Chela's song uh, ah, that please? we're going to play at the end. Uh-huh. So it's uh, called "Say My Name." Uh, so she's Limerick artist. Limerick is the third biggest city in Ireland. Uh, and she has been making waves recently. Like she's just mm-hmm. taken the country by storm and, and beyond Ireland, actually. She's amazing. So uh, one of the local newspapers in Limerick had an article about her. And the headline of it was something like, oh, Limerick artist takes UK by storm or something like this. Or her, her song was being used in a little wood ad, which was mm-hmm. huge. Um, so she just retweeted it instead of being like, oh, thank you for this recognition. Like she was just like, say my name. Like literally her song asks you to say her name and they couldn't even bother to include her name in the headline of the article. Like, which, oh my God. Like tackle me on it. But I feel like if it was a man, they might have named him in they the article. They would have mm-hmm. definitely named mm-hmm. him. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's going to be like hero eyes, then aestheticized uh, or whatever. Exactly. Work, bitch. Come on. So you can I you can follow me on socials since we're plugging ourselves under Gravity Grave in Instagram as always, and then like under Quintessentially Queer on Facebook. And please do follow Slim Radio from this point onwards. Yes, bitches. 
on all social platforms. And let me close off with one of my poems that I wrote, uh, again in the page Quintessentially Queer, before we move on to Say My Name by Denise Shayla. 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 I get it fucked up too. It's because I'm a man. You know, I can't help it. You're, you're trying. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. So, the poem is called A Manicure. My nails are a shield of protection and of color. I've seen them every day, yet never looked at them. They stretch out the periphery of my body and bring the circumference to a closer instinct. My nails are a shield, protecting the ends of my body and shielding my feelings inside. Clutching on things and holding on tight, they replace tears as they latch on meaning. My nails are a shield. If you cut too small, the story to its end, it bleeds and whispers unfathomable scrutiny. It burns inside and stings the arrow to a center of non-completion. Pull the string to be led into a maze of touch and of feeling. My nails are a shield of memory and love as I watched my mother cater to her needs in that most sensibility and care. The warmth she gave to me paid to her own shrine of fruitful beauty. My nails are a shield. They perform the meanings which I cannot hold on to. They show their strength and reclaim their ground as the middle one is denying all odds. My nails are a shield. It reclaims the first position of importance in the theater of submission. It refuses to succumb to a mediocre response of other people's volition. It scratches and stretches to binaries of opposition and to oppositions of self-definition. Are my nails a shield? They protect me from the world and turn into claws. My nails were a shield of clauses and contracts which I haven't signed. But only when I paint them people really notice the saturation of life and of respect, of pronouns and of modern isms. That's when they see the hand of fate taking the toll on others' grip. That's when I feel the hand of stigma stomping down my throat by unapologetic stares and willful spite. That's when I feel my grasp of things strong and my strength of grip stronger. My nails are a shield that shelter meaning and perform on the stage which you've built. I'm sorry I couldn't help nor participate. I have nails. My nails are a shield, delicate and fragile, meticulous and with love. The same as a motherly touch, able to hurt and be hurt, able to hear and be heard. The same as a motherly touch, painted for the gods, the ones I believe in. The multiplicity of personhood, a stroke can induce, and a color can suffice. If only looks could change each week as the colors. Thanks everyone, and this was another edition of Quintessentially Queer. Much love. Now, hard pass. I 
don't go Dutch when I checkmate. I keep the banner on my chest plate. All these takes so lukewarm. You should just say it with your chest, mate. It's not Chile, it's not Chilala. Not a hard pill to swallow. Chile or Chilea, Chia, Chila, Dilla, that's not my name. Say my name. Every time that I spoke, so I took the training wheels off. Tour de France, cover new ground for all the hope the pain cost. Not all who want to lose their faith, and not all who wonder are lost. I know my heart, and I know my name, and I know the path that I walk. I work this hard so I can harvest. Won't pick my fruit from the low branches. I don't know you, man, but I know dancers. Free the journey, who's gonna stop this? I don't need gifts if you look musky. Stay philanthropist. Don't need your concern if you'll look at me and see a troper kid. Go on, not like Dirk. Don't care what you heard. My word is my bond and my name is my word the soul of my world and it's not chile it's not chalala not a hard pill to swallow chile or chilea chia chila dilla that's not my name say my name c-h-a-i-l-a 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 I'm a profile. I raise the bar when I come through. You already know it's gonna go down. My name's not that hard to pronounce. Pre-K, it's not profound. C H A I L A sound the words out.